Welcome to the Plain Sight podcast hosted by Invisible. Invisible Technologies is a fascinating company. Uh, we essentially make complex business problems disappear. So we partner with you. We figure out what your operations are. We figure out what your processes are. We figure out what your team doesn't like to do. And we basically do that better, faster, cheaper. Uh, but this isn't specifically about what we do. It's also the philosophy behind why we do it. So this show really gets into what makes Invisible tick. Uh, who are the key players at Invisible? Who are the key players outside of Invisible who enjoy our work? Um, what are all the things that are going on inside of Invisible? What a podcast does, it allows you to find out things that you normally wouldn't be able to find out. So it's like a fireside chat that's basically decentralized and anybody can listen to it at all times. So we really invite you to uh, listen and subscribe if you really like these episodes. And as always, you can reach out to anybody on the Invisible team, uh, our website is invisible.co, uh, and we're happy to have you here. Welcome to the Plain Sight Podcast. I've got two wonderful guests today. We've got Genevieve, the CEO of Realm, and we've got Francis, the founder of both Infinity and Invisible. Uh, and we're going to be having a great chat about what Realm is. Uh, and I'm very excited to know more. We just did one with Zohar last week about what Lightning was. And we did one about Cosmos the week before. And so we're going through all the different Infinity BUs. And if you don't know what the Infinity BUs are, uh, please go in, in, on the Plain Sight podcast and find uh, the first one I did with Francis that sets the stage about why, why we are doing this. So welcome to the show, both Genevieve and Francis. Howdy. 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 Uh, for those of yeah. you who are just listening to this, uh, we all have crazy hats on. And uh, and this is one of the craziest things about remote work is that I'm currently in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Genevieve is in Lisbon, Portugal. And Francis, I believe, but I'm not sure, is in Texas somewhere. I'm in Austin, Texas. Austin, yeah. Texas. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, what is what is Realm? Hmm. Let's go first. Ah. Well... I'll tell you what Realm's all about. And Realm, our mission is to, we're gathering the world's most friendly, ambitious nerds, providing access and intros to fellow builders and makers so we can form adult friendships and get shit done <laughs> together. Wow. Wait, so I just had a very interesting, I've been trying to figure out how to get residency to a certain South American country, and it's a total nightmare. Um, and this one guy, I found him on Facebook and he just gave me the, uh, uh, the details of how to get my fingerprints done so I can get them sent back to the U S. Uh, and our last bit of conversation was, man, as an adult, it's just so hard to make friends. Um, and, and like, can you go more into that problem about like, as an adult, how do you make friends and, and like what it is? What, why, why is it so difficult as an adult? Well, I don't think we have those institutions anymore when we're older or I don't want to say older because I'm still younger, <laughs> but you know that I don't I think we have those formal institutions. A lot of people go to school um, and that's where they form these relationships or like even institutions like church, right, where you have certain ritual ritualistic places that you go to. And once you leave, um, you either have some sort of alumni network or not, or you have some sort of association. But nowadays, I think it's a lot more challenging. And, and especially now, you know, with, with remote work too, on top of that. So how are you finding relationships? Well, 
you have to have a certain kind of personality. I think it takes a lot of um, sort of chutzpah to, to find these kind of relationships. And, and even doing that takes a lot of research, right? So it's like, okay, trial and error. Okay, go to this, you know, meetup. Who are these people who, I don't know. And you take a gamble and like blind dating, wouldn't you say? It's like going on a lot of blind dates. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the challenge. But when you do find it, uh, when you do find the right kind of group, and you feel like home, you feel like that's your extended family. So I think that's a, that's a, that's what meaningful friendships can do. What and, about you, friends? Yeah. What, what about you? First of all, I think pitch alignment is overrated. Uh, we've been trying to create pitch alignment at Invisible so that if you ask anyone on the Invisible team, what is Invisible, they'll get the, they'll give you the exact same response. We're nine years in now. Nobody's been able to achieve pitch alignment. Um, good luck to Cameron, our new CMO, <laughs> to, in, in doing that. Um, that'll be the day. I mean, that's like when hell freezes over, you know, uh, when you have everyone at Invisible telling you that Invisible is the same thing. Um, but I, I, deeper than pitch alignment is actually like essential alignment, right? So like when you have two totally different pitches, are they talking about the same thing? Like an elephant, you know? Like, oh, it's like got tusks and no, oh, it's got these big legs and well, it's the same thing, right? They're just describing different parts of it. So I love Genevieve's pitch. It was amazing. I had pitched it in totally, totally different way. You ready for my pitch? Ready. Boom. Okay. Um, so uh, the idea for infinity is to do lots of invisibles, invisible for X, invisible for Y, invisible for Z. Now, invisible is a tech enabled services company. And for what, for whatever reason, and it's a whole separate podcast, uh, VCs and entrepreneurs have avoided disrupting the services industries, industries, plural, um, services is like most of the economy. Um, but VCs have liked to focus on products because product companies, uh, software driven product companies have very attractive characteristics for their, their industrial complex for their fund models. Um, they're very scalable when there's no humans involved. Services generally have humans involved in delivering a much more complicated end-to-end -end solution. So invisible is um, operational services. So who needs operational help? Like every company in the world uh, has digital processes now. And those digital processes are probably not core to their um, intellectual property, right? Um, and uh, some of them can be fully automated with software and some of them can't be. Some of them are actually too complex to be fully automated with software. And that's where Invisible comes in. Invisible is like operations as a service. Uh, we use AI and automation and our own technology platform to coordinate uh, 2,500 people around the world on our digital assembly line. And we will break your process down into little steps and, uh, and automate as many of those steps as possible. And then the steps that can't be automated will assign to workers uh, that are specifically skilled in doing that step. We have PhDs and masters on the assembly line. We'll get them to, to do those steps and we'll deliver the process to you. And we can build as many of these processes as you want. We can link all the processes together. We will run all operations at your company. So Invisible is a new way to run your business. It's like a black box that can perfectly execute any pro process. Like what are the limits of that black box? Unlimited, right? So invisible 
is in a world that is very different than most startups because it has practically infinite total addressable market, right? Um, so if you're a sales leader and you want to go after, you know, all the processes in healthcare, all the processes in energy or all the processes in real estate, like there's so much territory for you to go after. But then I was sitting there as an entrepreneur about a year ago and I was thinking, wait a second, like operations isn't the only type of service. There's a lot of different types of service. And this basic model that we have of like a capital efficient, profitable partnership uh, that's using technology to disrupt the 20th century, basically these incumbent giants, right? So Invisible is disrupting Accenture. Um, and so why couldn't we start a bunch of other um, services companies? And so I started to think about Invisible for Education. That's Lightning. Uh, invisible for design and branding. That's Radiance um, or Rad Studios, Radiance Studios. Um, invisible for um, uh, research. That's Foundation. Invisible for strategy. Invisible for strategy consulting. Going after McKinsey, Bain, BCG. That's Ascendancy. Um, invisible for executive support. Disrupting traditional EAs and admins and chiefs of staff. That's Everest. And invisible for community management and um and marketplaces so community and marketplaces that's realm now realm may be the odd child of the bunch um because uh you might think well wait a second you know there's Ex accenture ernst and young kpmg ey um uh i guess i said ey twice pwc um you know these big giant services companies in in um various categories, but like, is there a giant services company doing community and marketplaces? Um, and that's actually where, you know, this question is like, well, how are people getting, let's, let's go back in time. So let's go back like a thousand years into like how human societies were functioning in say the medieval era. Imagine like an Italian town, you have the piazza, right? You have the center of the town where people gather, right? Um, and everybody's a neighbor. Everyone knows each other. Uh, and, and, and then there's like a little market, like a farmer's market, right? And people are like buying and selling stuff. So they might be buying and selling furniture or art or food or whatever it is that they're buying and selling. Uh, and like Genevieve said, like they go to church on, you know, Sundays. Um, that, uh, is the foundation if you think about society that is that is society that is the foundation of society and so we live in this very modern world where this has all been abstracted and scaled but it's important to go back to the primitive thing like what what was going on there the first thing that's going on is trust right like if if you think about what the elements of friendship are it's like well there's there's uh history uh, there's relationship history. We've interacted before, um, and we're getting to know more and more about each other. So there's shared knowledge, shared experience. There's honesty between us, uh, and there's trust. So a handshake is a classic symbol of trust. And it came from the medieval knights saying, no, I don't have a sword or a dagger in this hand. I'm extending this as a, a hand of peace. Right. Um, and from that trust commerce is born. So it starts with, you start with the community. And then you build the marketplace. 
now we live in this world where like marketplaces, we think we, we say the word marketplace, we think of the New York Stock Exchange or something. It's very like abstracted structures that we've built, but on top of a, a society. The, the biggest thing that's happened to modern societies uh, recently is, is social networks like Facebook or Instagram. But you, that's also like the New York Stock Exchange for relationships. It's like this very, it's a, you know, it, it, it's too big. Um, I've got something like 15,000 LinkedIn connections. Like that's not real. Like, I don't know that. I don't know that many people, you know, like most people have hundreds and hundreds of Facebook friends. It's also like not, not real. Um, and, um, like where, you know, the, there's this sense I've always had of like, well, where, where are my real friends? Who's, who, and, and who are the people I'm actually going to hang out with? Um, and so, uh, you know, rewind a couple years ago, um, WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook. So it's, it's interesting how this happens, like really created this platform on mobile where you could create groups really easily. And I just got a group together of my closest friends in New York. And we started doing stuff, going on hikes, going to shows, going to our favorite musicians, hosting dinners for each other, doing book clubs, um, going on walks in the park, going to the botanical gardens, going to the Met, going to museums. Um, and having a lot of fun together and everyone started inviting their closest friends and it became a community. And now that community is the New York city mafia. And, um, uh, it's a, you know, invite only group it's for, you know, us and our friends. Um, and then we just naturally sort of spread. So, you know, we, we have, I, you know, when I would go to London, I would get, I do the same thing with my London friends. And when I go to San Diego, where I grew up, I do that with my San Diego friends, San Francisco, where I live for a number of years, do that with my San Francisco friends. Now that I live in Texas, I've got an Austin mafia, you know, in Lisbon, you know, when I visited Lisbon last year, the Lisbon mafia began now, now Genevieve lives in Lisbon, um, and Stewart's in Buenos Aires and Stewart, is there, is there a Buenos Aires mafia? Is it real? We're getting mafia? it going. Uh, so I've been meeting all the movers and shakers and just like so much of what you said is very interesting because it's also related to starting a company. Like. Uh, it's also related to fundraising. You need to build a community in or of investors and other founders in order to build fundraising. So it's like, and this is like the, the, the hardest thing for me to understand is, is this, this, there's the company aspect and we're all friends, but we're also business. We're also in a business relationship. Uh, yep. and it's, and in order to do good business, you need to have a large network. And if that large network is just like all acquaintances and like the, if you want to do good business, you want to make more acquaintances, but if you want to have friends, you need to have close relationships. And business sometimes makes closer relationships, but it also sometimes makes uh, really challenging because because it, it's like there's these these strong incentives that are that are designed to like basically make a good business that may clash with being a friend. Um, and so I'm sorry. I, I, yes, there is a Buenos Aires uh, uh, mafia going, and we're getting it ready. And I just randomly ran into somebody on the street who knew Nico, uh, who I'd been connected through through Lightning. Uh, and we went out to get coffee. We're going to go get coffee again. And he knows all these Brazilian people. And it's just like such a strange world that we're entering. And I love, I love what realm is doing. Cause like the, the, and it's such a hard job too. It's such a fine line, uh, of, of building a network without, without losing the, the core center of that network. And we've all seen it before of essentially, like you start this network really great to be part of that initial network. And then it grows into Facebook. Uh, cause that's what Facebook really started out as is this, like, or core network. And then. Um, realm, uh, realm, 
Uh, Genevieve, do you, what, what are your thoughts on this? What do you, what do you think about this like dilemma that, that we've been speaking about? Quality, quantity. Yeah. Quality and quantity. Um, you know, it's, it goes back to also, I think, um, who he, there's, there's this interesting thing that when you talk about friendships and business, I think that, you know, it's, it takes a certain type of human being who think, who knows that who you show up in one domain of your life is also like, are you consistent with how you're showing up in another domain in your life? And I think that takes a very certain type of character. And so when we talk about like, okay, am I willing to say in the piazza, right? You know, there's Pietro who's selling, you know, the breads, you know, he's got the ciabatta, he's got the best ciabatta. And then, uh, you know, there's like Maria, you know, Ana Maria Luisa, you know, and she's got <laughs> the best freaking flowers, right? And so, um, you know, and they're, they're really good friends. Their families have known each other, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they decide that they're going to get married and they're, you know, they're going to do this. And now they create uh, rose petaled, rose petal ciabatta bread and whatever right and so oh, like make good companions as well um and i think it goes into that to to what you were saying Stuart. is like sometimes they clash well i think that that's actually maybe perhaps the difference here is that actually the relationship that you know i i met francis uh, um uh, in my apartment he he came over because there was a i was doing a dinner party and um based on human just humanness, right? I, I think about realm as being humans first. Is that we we said, okay, yeah, let's like let's keep continuing the conversation, and then we very quickly turned into, oh, wait, we should work together. Like, can yeah. friends work together? Actually, it was not quick. It was not quick. It, the first time I, you met me, you served me soup and you gave me a book, uh, <laughs> and, and I was like, wow, this is special. But like, we didn't we didn't end up doing any work together on, for for a couple years, and then. I think maybe it was like a year or two later, we hired you for a project, uh, where you did a bunch of photography and video videography and storytelling for us. And then it was several years after that, when we decided to start realm together, when you joined the team this January. Um, but in between all of these spaces, there was like friendship, mutual friends, experiences, interactions, falling out of touch, being in different cities, being in the same cities, getting back in touch, this sort of thing. Um, and it's a good example of you know, the extended network and how, you know, you, if you think about, um, uh, having your chosen family is, is one of the things that we all arrive at over time in this life. And it's one of the most fulfilling things about being alive is like, you start with whatever, you know, either you have a small family or no family, or even if you have a big family, you know, you're, you, when you're out there in the world, you're looking for the missing parts of you, you know? Uh, Plato has his myth of the um, uh, uh, original humans who were hermaphrodites. They were both men and women in one giant body, and they had four arms and four legs. And and then the gods thought they were too powerful when they were united, so they split them in two and separated men and women and separated you from your soulmate and and spread them out throughout the earth. And so you're now doomed to like go around the earth looking for your your soulmate. Um, and then there's the wonderful thing of like, if you find your soulmate in this lifetime, uh, you have this, this power, the original power is there. Um, it's a beautiful, I think a kind of a romantic story, but there's, the, it's not just, uh, it's not just romantic soulmates, you know, there's the soulmate friendships, right? Um, I, I feel this way about 
my best friends. They, they, it's like me and another soul. And when they're, when they experience joy or happiness, I truly celebrate. There's no envy, no jealousy mutually. Right. And, um, and there's that mirroring and also recognition that like seeing, seeing yourself in the other, but also seeing what's, you know, there's the revelation of like, I, I didn't even know that you could have such an amazing divine being in the world, you know? And it's like, when, when you find those people, you're like, oh, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to, I'm not going to lose touch with you. Right. Out of the sea of faces, out of the, out of the, the ocean of experiences, I'm going to hold on to this one. And sometimes you have to lose it and like fall out of touch. And then they're like, actually, no, like, I want to, I want to keep this thing. And so I actually like that part of our relationship, Genevieve. That's like, there's, there's been, there's mm. been lots of years, lots of years where there was nothing commercial happening. There was just relationship. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's where you can tell a true friendship is that you can go out of touch for years. And then immediately, once you see each other, once you're back in either physical space or you're just on a Zoom meeting, you go right back into that conversation. And it almost feels like going back to the question I put in the chat is like, platonic friendships that have platonic forms that exist outside of the outside of a realm uh that's a realm uh and uh and and like how they show up and it's just like it's just like immediately you go right back into it because you have this relationship that somehow transcends space and time yeah and my relationship with you Stuart, is a good example of a platonic friendship so um i don't know when we first met is uh, san francisco your yeah, career. we first met, I believe we first met at your Everest startup party right after you guys had fundraised a bunch of money and you set up this big party in, in San Francisco. I was raising money for my my thing. So speaking about community, I was there trying to meet as many people as possible to try to raise money. And so you want to find founders. And so we met, we went out to coffee once in San Francisco, and then we didn't meet again in person t until 10 years later at the offsite in March. Yeah. So my, my mother's Persian. So I come from a hospitality culture. If you've ever hung out with Persians, you know, it's like you walk into their house, they will, they will immediately serve you tea and they will immediately serve you like chocolates or something. And then they'll invite you to stay for dinner. And, and then, you know, the dinner will have like five courses. Um, and then they'll invite you to stay the night. And then they'll like, you know, they'll, they will, <laughs> if they won't ask you to stay on the couch, they'll, they're more likely to like exit the master bedroom. They'll stay on the couch and they'll invite you to stay in there. But you know, it's like, it's very over the top um, uh, hospitality culture. And uh, a lot of traditional cultures are like that. And it's a bit alien, you know, to uh, at least to an American like me. I was, you know, grew up, grew up in this country. So it's a, it's a weird being from two cultures, third culture kid. Um, and, uh, and so, but there is a mat that I think that there's some ancient wisdom there. There is magic in generosity and hospitality because you don't actually, you're like spreading seeds. You don't actually know what, what, what you're, what you're doing. So when you host a party, like we were hosting a party, we were celebrating a moment. And then there was somebody who was looking or needing something. He was fundraising and then his name was Stuart and he came and he met me and then we stayed in touch. And all these years later, here we are like that startup, both, both startups are ancient history now. But the relationship endured and probably many other, there are all these unintended consequences. It's almost like the plot of like a Hollywood movie or something. I could imagine, you know, here, here's my pitch, Hollywood. Unintended consequences. And in unintended consequences, you actually get to see all the ripple effects of everything um, because, you know, you normally can't possibly follow the ripples, right? Like nobody, nobody, nobody can see all the ripples. But when you have these relationships form, relationships have uh sort of 
high potential. They're like, in financial terms, they're, they're like call options. <laughs> they, they could turn into anything at any time or not, mm. or not. Um, and, uh, and so when you, yeah. you start to realize that you're like, huh, hmm, how do I get more of that potential energy in my life? I would like to, to turn this into a little bit about a bubble. Uh, building in public. Um, me and Genevieve were talking about this yesterday. We were talking about that there's so many intangibles and particularly for Realm uh, because it's all about relationships. It's all, all about what you talked about. We were talking about the offsite and how we have all these people all over the world who want to want to join those offsites and to do more offsites because that that intangible connection of, um, of relationship uh, is so important. But how do you actually put ROI on that? Um, Jen, what, what do you think about this? Like, how do you actually put, cause we're in a business, right? So we're doing business and it seems like for you, Jen, specifically like this, all these relationships. And I know Francis has some thoughts on this as well. Is like, well, how do you actually make it a business? Um, so can you talk more about the business model of realm and how, um, how we can kind of create this ROI out of these intangible things? It's a very hard question, but, uh, would love to hear what you think. All right. I have a second hat that I'm going to put on. <laughs> second hat, and this is my invisible hat, okay? Nice, nice, nice. Yes, and this is the invisible hat. And uh, it says head of community there. And one of the things that I've been noticing at is um, we have in that community, our invisible community has 2,300 23 members, 2,300 members now. And it's, you know, just continuously growing and growing and growing. And one of the things that, um, that we're constantly thinking about is how do we maintain the culture and how do we maintain, um, you know, this, this sort of this special specialness? I mean, like this uniqueness. And uh, one of the ways is, is actually making sure on one of the agent calls, I loved this, is that we're speaking the same language. And being able to speak the same language and sharing our values, et cetera, that happens through, it, it happens at these piazza moments, right? And what are, where are these piazza moments? Um, because we're in, I don't know, is it 90 plus different, is it now at 90 plus different countries? I, it just, it continues to change, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's so many piazzas that need to be created. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, and we need those. And each, we have piazzas in like, WhatsApp, we have piazzas on Slack, we have piazzas in e you know, on email. And then we actually have physical piazzas now, um, where now we're meeting up in person. And the value of that is that it comes back to the culture and making sure that everyone is aligned. And when we have that alignment, it makes everything less, it's, it, I don't want to say completely yeah. frictionless, but like, right, there's like a little, little less friction. And um, one thing is, I just had a conversation with, I think it was um, Ruben, and he just recently joined um, as an OM and, and on the team. And he said, I, I've only been here for one month. And I don't know how, but the, the, the team members, like the agents on our team, how is it that they have this sense of, um, sense of like ownership and wonder? And, you know, when, when it's like everybody's remote and I'm like, well, I think that that goes back to this idea of when you are meeting and you're you're coming back to sort of the I don't want to, you know, maybe you do call it the church, but the piazza, when you come back to this center and you're meeting constantly, 
that is where you find these these nexus points. You find these nodes, and you're you're essentially bonding uh, in a sense. And that's to me, I know is is that is the intangible. Yeah. But if I had to, but yeah, if I had to go back, and you wanted a real, real, real thing, it's like okay, sure, I could go get to. What is, you know, what is um, the attrition rate or, you know, how long does it take for someone to onboard and all that? I could go get into those metrics, but, but you said it. I think, yeah, you said it. ROI is alignment. Alignment yeah. is meeting in physical per place. Like there's the intangibles about meeting in physical place, but we all know it. We all know that, that, you know, that what we're doing right now is a sort of alignment, but if we were doing it in person, there would be so many other things going on. There would be such a much more stronger, intimate sense that we're actually three human beings in the same physical place. I think that's it right there is that if you want to establish alignment, you should be meeting in person. Not all the time. We're not a, we're not a, we're not a co-located office, but, but like there, there is that, that sense that can only be done in person. And the more that you do it, I think it leads to more exponential, um, uh, alignment. Yeah. If you want to ask how is realm of business, um, what, you know, in the most abstract sense, if you create the most valuable high trust communities, um, like private social networks that aren't even, you'd take the network out, private social communities. Um, if those communities are strong from that will naturally emerge from those communities are the best businesses and the best marketplaces, which is true. The question is, how do you do all that in a way that doesn't kill the goose that lays the golden eggs, right? Um, uh, a community is to some extent a sacred space. And the word sacred isn't even necessarily a religious word uh, or even necessarily a mystical word. Um, sacred just literally means set apart, right? It's, it's, um, and, and there's a part of ourselves that is, you know, I love how Genevieve changed hats, right? Like I don't have a second hat here, but like, it's like, whatever we have, we have different parts of ourselves. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got my, my digital cowboy self that wears the cowboy hat. Right. And then, you know, there's, uh, there's the, the, um, uh, the part of me that, um, reads books and there's the part of me that like answers emails, right? Your professional identity, uh, should not be your only identity, should not be all consuming, um, and so we've actually done a lot to make sure that our social groups, like our, our mafias, um, don't become professional. Like, the, like don't, don't talk too much about work. <laughs> uh, and uh, get to know each other as human beings. Get to know, uh, you know, about your, talk about, talk about your, your next vacation or your last vacation or talk about your, your next weekend or what you're going to do during the weekend or talk about what you enjoy doing on the evenings or, or what you're reading or, you know, uh, your favorite art or, um, your, yeah, your favorite sports, your favorite hobbies, um, anything, you know, like maintaining an identity outside of work is absolutely key. Um, and I just, I recently read a book this summer that was very, uh, profound and transformational for me. And I've been, uh, uh busily adding it to our digital library, Alexandria, um, it's called Leisure, the Basis of Culture. Leisure, the Basis of Culture by Joseph Pieper. German, um, after World War II, um, thinking about how to rebuild society on a strong foundation, comes to the conclusion that like it can't all be about work, right? 
Um, we, we do need to rediscover our identity outside of work. Um, so that's, that is key to realms business model is like making sure community comes first, relationships comes first, our humanity comes first, our identity outside of work comes first. Like the, the whole, the whole thing about like, um, Europeans, uh, uh, work to live and Americans live to work. You know, the Euro Europeans have that right. Um, if that is a stereotype and that stereotype is true, like the Europeans are, are, are correct and the Americans are wrong. Um, and so realm is on the European side on that debate, you know, on that debate. Um, uh, we, we want to work to live and I'm as so passionate about work. Obviously I'm starting multiple companies and, you know, I, I, I'm, a you know, uh, an American capitalist in that sense, but, um, all of those passion projects are ultimately in pursuit of human potential and human potential must exist in it have pride of place have primacy over um over like our our servile nature where, where we're working um um we have to have sort of there has to be an inherent joy to existence so that's first and foremost realm but you know look at what genevieve's done for invisible in the last year yeah. a year ago we had 2500 people you know, or what we had less than that a year ago, we had, we had, um, uh, 1200 people in a bunch of countries all around the world that were basically strangers. And so imagine the early days of the internet where, or actually imagine if on the internet you didn't, you had, nobody had their own true identity or their true name, how easy it is for everyone to troll each other. Right. This was even true during the pandemic, you know, during the pandemic, uh, because nobody was actually interacting in the real world and everyone was like huddled at home. It was sort of easy to be nasty to people on the internet. Um, because, well, after all, like, I'm never going to see you in person. And even if I do see you, you have a mask on. And so it's sort of easy to like yell at each other and be rude on the internet. But like when you have the opposite, when you actually start to meet in person and you have your true name and true identity and you have these other points of connection, suddenly manners are born politeness is restored you know you have uh empathy and listening and the willingness to like have dialogue and all of this um reemerges and and i think that that's the the magic and so if if an, if genevieve in one year was able to like bond a global community you know that doubled in size and exists across 96 countries around the world and i'm seeing photos and videos of people in nigeria and buenos aires and you know, uh, South Africa and, and the Philippines and India and Nepal, and I'm seeing, and, 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 uh, and Florida, you know, and I'm seeing all this and it's like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's, it's real. These people are not just pixels on my screen and they don't, they're not imaginary people that exist on the internet. They're real people. If that's possible, then like, what could, you know, uh, realm do for other companies, you know, what could realm do for other communities? What could realm do for other marketplaces? Um, and that's sort of the, the basic thesis of the company. So cool. Um, uh, so we've, we've got the community building at invisible. I benefited a lot recently by, by being part of that Buenos Aires meetup, uh, down here. And I met a whole bunch of people who have now become my social network as well. I'm going kite surfing on Saturday and afterwards I'm going to go meet with another agent, uh, afterwards and, uh, uh from invisible and agent and invisible. 
um, who's who lives in that area of, of the city in the northern part in these beautiful suburb that has like all of a sudden I look, feel like I'm in London, UK with all the architecture of these brick houses. It's really beautiful right on the Rio Plata River. It's really just amazing, amazing city. I, I can't believe it took me this long to get here. Um, and so that's on the invisible side. Uh, Jen, can you talk more about what you're doing on as like a realm business in terms of all these private social networks and also private business networks as well? Can you talk about like where that's going in the vision? No, it's um, really interesting. And actually, I, I want to take a do a, a double click. Uh, I actually want to back do a backtrack is Great. Francis, you shared about how, you know, the New York City Mafia was born. And then we had a whole bunch, you know, that like it made sense about, OK, when you go to London here and then, you know, where you're traveling and then when did the professional conversation threads start to sh mm. shift into syndicates. I, I want to know that transition because I think that's that's very interesting. And and which which one was the first one? I mean, I know, but like, I think for yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good for the story. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, one of our clients, uh, ARK Invest, Kathy Wood, and, and that, that, that she's an incredible CEO and founder. And uh, she started this, um, uh, well, it's kind of like a hedge fund, but it's actually, these are all ETFs. These are exchange traded funds, publicly traded funds um, that invest in technology. And uh, they manage about $50 billion. Um, and, uh, and she... Um, you know, had hired Invisible to like run a lot of, you know, back office operations for them. And I was brought into a number of meetings. And in one of those meetings, um, you know, they have a venture fund as well. And so I was thinking, well, how do we build a community around that fund? Mm. And so I just literally created a WhatsApp group called Investor Syndicate and just started adding all, I just get, went through my contact list. Like, who do I know who's an investor? ding, 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 ding. And I just like invited them all. And I was like, hello, everyone. Um, you know, I just started this group. Please, you know, feel free. I would love to get, you know, uh, everyone together in person at different times and, and introduce you all to each other and get to know each other over time. And I thought this could be a group for where we could share ideas, thoughts, deal flow. Um, you know, uh, and I'm going to put you all in an email thread as well. So like uh, anytime I get deal flow, I'm going to forward an email to investor syndicate at whatever, whatever. Um, and you all get the um, get the deal flow, and uh, this is you know a uh, uh, community that we can build. And almost nobody left. <laughs> uh, you know that's a normal thing. Is you just got invite added to a group, and like you, know, you see a bunch of people leave. Like nobody left. People started sharing, um, and here we are a year later. It's like you know almost four hundred different investors on that channel, and um, regular deal flow, uh, more deal flow than I can keep up with. And, um, uh, so much so that we're actually about to start a fund, you know, to, to actually action all that, uh, take advantage of all that deal flow. Um, that's an example of the, that was the first syndicate. And then after that, you know, there was the natural thing, same way that New York city mafia spread to London mafia, Miami mafia, Lisbon mafia, et cetera. Syndicates were like, well, what about all the entrepreneurs? Obviously they need, they need a space to talk. Um, and then what about, uh, all of our friends in real estate? What about all of our friends who are focused on longevity and biotech? What about all of our friends that are focused on AI? What about all of our friends that are focused on? And so we started building syndicates for every, every vertical and vertical, you know, both industry vertical and function vertical. So for example, we have our hiring syndicate, um, where all the hiring managers we know, take an example of invisible. 
there's a lot of people that apply to work at Invisible. We accept, you know, um, something like uh, 0.04, you know, 0.4, like less than, sorry, sorry, 0 0.04. Um, uh, <laughs> embarrassing moment. Um, 40 basis points. So 40% uh, of a percent, so 0 0.04 would be 4%. Um, uh, of our applicants for partners. Um, and, uh, and so that's, you know, that means that there's a ton of incredibly qualified people that are applying, you know, out of every hundred people that apply, 99 people are rejected, 99 and a half people are rejected. Right. Um, and it's not because those people aren't qualified. It's just that we just don't have enough roles. So what if we get incredible, uh, companies that have, you know, hiring managers with very aligned values and we could say, you know, Hey, like we think you're super qualified. Why don't we just share your profile on our hiring syndicate? Would you be open to that? and get those people jobs. It doesn't really cost us that much. It's a little bit of a drag, you know, like for us to say, hey, hiring team, you know, like let's help these people get jobs even if we're not hiring them. But it just creates so much goodwill in the world. You know, it's like, great, you know, it, it creates good for our friends at these companies, good for the person. And you never know how that karma comes back. So we just started doing that. Still early days, but like a year later, there's a lot of activity on that, on that syndicate, a lot of, a lot of, hiring activity. So um, that's the syndicates. Are we monetizing these syndicates in any way right now? No. Um, uh, it's like, again, you know, goose killing golden egg thing, you know, like, or, or sorry, <laughs> I must be dyslexic this morning. It's the jet lag. Um, uh, don't want to kill the goose that lays the golden egg thing. Um, uh, well, I, yeah. And, and I actually wanted to ask you, Stuart, because you were one of the first who was like, you know, something. I why not an AI syndicate? And I want to, I want to understand because you've grown that so much, and and I want to understand what have you experienced for yourself in the evolution, or you know, over the and now it's like a hundred members. Yeah. Uh, so uh, turning the question back on me, uh, not many people do yeah. it, but uh, but sometimes uh, so. AI syndicate has been very fascinating because we didn't really have an AI syndicate. And I was, I, 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 I've been interviewing people about AI, both on the Plainsight channel and on the Crazy Wisdom channel. And so I'm running into all these really interesting people. Uh, one person who I interest to, in, interviewed is Subatai Ahmed. And Subatai is the CEO of a company called Numenta. And Numenta has figured out a way to train LLM models, not on GPUs, which nobody can find right now because uh, Google has them all. Um, and, uh, and so they figured out how to train CPUs on the, on his models. We did really interesting podcasts. Um, and then I was like, oh man, this guy would be great to have him in our AI syndicate. Uh, and so he joined that and it's been really fascinating. Like, cause I actually hate, I hate WhatsApp, uh, group messaging threads before, before the AI syndicate, before, uh, Francis added, well, actually before Renee added me to like 150 of them because I'm, I'm doing cosmos and I'm doing knowledge management. So I have to be a part of all of the, all these different things. I, I totally hated them. Now I understand them, uh, particularly given that once I got to Buenos Aires, I was added not only to our Buenos Aires mafia, but I was also, uh, added to four different WhatsApp groups that are focused on the digital nomad, uh, scene down here. One is just a regular meetup where I can ask questions about how to get, um, a chef or all these different things. Another one about uh, basketball and they have all these different things. Um, and so now I'm starting to get them. But when I, when I, when I first started, I didn't understand them. I don't, what I don't like about the WhatsApp channels is that the messaging, your phone messages are so high signal. 
Like if you want to, if you want to cut through to a person you want to connect with, the best way to do it is send a text message. And WhatsApp is right next to that. It's like, it's, it all, it mirrors that texting thing. And so it totally blows up your, your field and it's hard to, hard to figure out where to go. Um, I have to put a lot of the groups on mute, mm-hmm. but now I get it. It's about like, cause the previous way that I would find out how to find these things is I would go on Facebook groups. I would go to Buenos Aires Facebook group and that would be a static representation. Um, and so you, you know, if I, if I need something from that group, I go to that group, but it doesn't blow up my feed basically. Um, uh, and so WhatsApp allowed that to do it in real time. Uh, and, but one of the issues with that real time, uh, uh, messaging, uh, is that I noticed that the people, like there's a, a, a place to find apartments in Buenos Aires. Um, and the people have to post who are offering their apartments, they have to post every day in order to keep it, um, a top of mind. Uh, whereas on Facebook, you wouldn't really have to do that. You just kind of post and then somebody comments on it and brings it back into the thread. Um, and so it has been very fascinating to kind of shepherd this, this group. And one of the most important things, which hasn't been too hard in AI syndicate, because we start with such a good group of people who are sort of start from that humanist angle of like, okay, well, I'm not going to use this thing specifically to gain, gain, gain. Um, and, and, you know, although we do have that in the AI syndicate, there is that commercial aspect. So we allow for it. But one of the hardest thing is that curation and making sure that people in the group are actually paying attention to like empathy and, and understanding that there are other people in this group and they don't want their messaging thread to, to blow up. Uh, so it's been really fascinating. I've got, I've gotten a lot of good guests for the podcast, um, both on plain sight and on crazy, crazy wisdom from that AI syndicate. There's a lot of good conversation. One of the interesting things that I've been thinking about is that it's really hard to bring people, um, in, into this thing. Well, cause, cause it's like, there's a, and I know, uh, Jay had kind of mentioned this about the AI syndicate that he didn't really see that there were high quality people in terms of like, really, really, you know, like the leader, like Jan LeCun of Facebook, um, like having him in a group like this, uh, I tend to follow more that I, I want to get a lot of engineers in there and have really kind of technical conversations to understand where, where is the, where is the vision, where's the future. Um, and, and so there's like, there's this line that separates kind of internet celebrities from people just building stuff and, and stuff like that. I don't know if you, it's just kind of a random thought that I have. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the, uh, the judging people, uh, in that particular superficial way of like, what is your, what is your status? And, you know, can you help me hit my sales quota this month? Um, is, uh, not, not the way I, I look at the world. Um, uh, and so, some of the, some of the biggest breakthroughs in my career, biggest like financial breakthroughs, uh, have come from the most unusual, unpredictable, weird ways. Um, and I think that there's, uh, a lot of reward for people who, um, have an open mind and an open heart and are just willing to like connect with people as people first and foremost. And, um, a good, good example of this. Um, uh, one of my dear friends, um, uh, two of my dear friends actually ended up getting a room together. Um, and, and then one of them left and moved to London. Um, and the other had the empty room and put it on Craigslist and like a random person seemed like a good person, you know, uh, rented the room 
this person was a product manager at one of the biggest tech companies in the world and ended up becoming our, you know, that company ended up becoming our biggest client through this person that came through Craigslist for one of my friends, right? So this is just a good thing of like, you know, people who are in that one track mind, linear, highly linear, you know, just filtering on, on superficial things around status, they end up missing out on some of the biggest opportunities. Um, and, uh, and so it, it is, but I think it's a tough, it's a tricky challenge for community managers because, um, there is, uh, quality is, is a thing. Um, uh, and uh, that immediately runs into like a giant philosophical landmine field, you know, of like, well, are you saying that certain people are higher quality than other people? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and it's like, no, um, uh, it's, it's, um, and this is, this is the whole art of curation, right? It's like the, the famous curators of society, you know, are very good at sort of having it almost like a musical instrument, knowing what frequency will result from this particular combination of people. And like that note is going to combine very well with that note and it'll be a beautiful like symphony or whatever. Um, and so I really believe in empowering, um, empowering Genevieve as CEO of Realm to uh, create great music. Um, and, and therefore that means quasi dictatorial powers um, to like curate these communities. That means the ability to like add or remove um, but I, I happen to know from my behind the scenes access to those decision-making processes that like that power, even though it's in theory, absolute is often very yeah, measured and controlled and reserved because you just actually don't, you kind of sort of want to see like, I, you know, what, what is going to happen if this person's in this group, you know? Um, and, um, I think that. I mean, this is sort of self-selecting in the public comments. So take, take Instagram, for example, you don't want to follow someone, you unfollow them. Right. So it's like a market, a market that is selecting, right? Like people are making their own individual choices. Um, in a community, the community manager is making those, those choices. Um, and how does the community manager know how to make those choices? Well, they actually have to be plugged in. They have to have their ear to the ground. And so. Genevieve, how many conversations do you have like a week where how you're, you're one of the most plugged in people probably in the world. Like, you know, you, you're talking to people all around the world all the time, you know, in all these different communities and they're always giving you their feedback and you're probably hearing a lot of gossip, like, rah, 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 you know, like I didn't really like what somebody said on this and it's just human nature. Um, and part of the secret to the great communities is like buffering that and managing that. So how do you do it? Mm -hmm. Uh, if you want to know the literal answer, I probably get a, like a, at least hundreds of uh, DMs. Um, yeah, like this, you know, and so it's like, you know, all this and, you know, have tons of conversations and, and, and tons. But, you know, one of the things that I typically ask, this is this is one of the things that I like to ask is if you were to. If you were to title this chapter of your autobiography, what would it be? Mm, that's and I think it, it's it's like a for me, I want to know where are you at right now, and 
one one sort of thing that I've noticed is that sort of a zeitgeist right now, and I don't know if it's a zeitgeist more or less, but so many people seem to be in a transitory state, like, you know, whether it's like, okay, I just became a first time, you know, I, I just exited, right? And I'm like, I, what do I do next? You know, and I need to find people, you know, and, or um, I just, you know what, I, I'm looking for a new position or what have you. And I think that all of this, you know, you become like this person of, of like, okay, well, I know that this person is also looking. And they need they need this manager or they need a new, you know, um, engineer or, hey, I just broke up with somebody and I need mm. a new I need a new. Like, I want to go on a date. Yeah, I, I need a date. So, yeah, there's all of this. And I think, um, you know, for in terms of I can't say exactly like what what my, the method to the madness is uh, other than. Keeping, keeping, I, I was talking to you, Stuart, actually. I was like, man, I just can't keep track. I, I, you know, like, where do I keep all these notes? And so now I've just been hashtagging on Rome. Like now I know, you know, there's two schools of thought. Of like a notion versus Rome, like, right, right. And for me, I'm a Rome person. I'm like just a hashtagging. Okay, who needs this and who needs that? Um, and there is in some respects, I think, and I'm, and maybe this is going back to, something maybe a little too woo woo but francis you'll i think you'll um, appreciate this and Stuart too it's like let your woo flag fly let your yeah woo just flag flags fly. the woo and i'm gonna flag it is that yeah there is some there's definitely this non-linear non-linear magic it is it's this serendipity and and in some some cases like somebody asks somebody asks about like hey like you know what i don't i don't know how to solve this like okay my heart's broken um, and I needed to find a new place to stay because um, my my boyfriend and I split up. Okay, I get that. And then somebody somebody um, I, I I post in, in post that in Haven, and then I get two messages because they think that it's me. And but there I got two messages like I'll host you, and I'm like, okay, great. Actually, it's not for me, but it's somebody who asked, and you know, and so they're like, oh, and and so it it's almost like. I can't plan. I can't and I, like I don't plan for these things that happen. Um, it, it's not that super calculating. It's actually when you ask. There, my dad used to say this. Um, this Bible quote is like, "Ask, knock, and the door, you know, and 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 open, and the door will open." Right, and and that's kind of how I feel about. Um, about realm and sort of like the way that we lead conversations in realm is that you put yourself out there you put yourself in you have a question and something will answer and you don't know exactly how it will you know it's not a one-to-one thing it's not like okay yes you know if i plug in this particular personality then x will you know xyz will result like it's it's not a magic formula Mm -hmm. and so that's that's sort of been the way that I've been um, thinking about this is, yeah, it is one grand experiment in, in some cases, but I think there's there are essences, um, our gut instinct, right, that lead to this magic. Um, so I lead I leave a, a bit up to up to magic. Mm. Yes. So, yes. Magic's in the business model, but it doesn't. Yeah, mean it is. <laughs> Doesn't have a great strategy. Uh, Stuart, can I can briefly comment on this as a business? 
business strategy. Yep. Yeah. So, so as entrepreneurs starting a business, first of all, as listeners, you are, whoever is listening to this, whoever's watching this, um, you know, you've, you've, you've been, heard podcasts and you've seen marketing materials from companies that are at a late stage, right? And they have their business fully dialed in and fully figured out. And, and they're just telling you the way their business is and why it's successful. Um, you know, here we've built our business and then we do a billion dollars of revenue per year. And like, here, here's how it works. That's one type of a, you know, conversation. This is a company that has started about, you know, technically started in January, but really has its er traces its earlier, earliest roots to, you know, the previous January. So it's been a sort of gradually building, uh, as a network of communities for a couple of years, very little capital has gone into it. Um, and as an entrepreneur, you're seeking a couple things. You're seeking a fertile territory and you're seeking an opportunity to, to create a defensible, uh, position in that territory, right? Um, where you're able to create value and capture some percentage of the value that you create, you create value for the world in excess of what you extract, and then you extract some of it. That's your, your, your tax, right? Um, that's. That's a statement that is true for all businesses. I didn't say anything that's, you know, controversial there. <laughs> that's like business. What I love about Realm is that, you know, it's extremely fertile territory. Like, it's almost like this opportunity, this category of opportunity has emerged in the world and it never existed beforehand. And, um, and it's a moment, well, I think about 2004, a lot of people have seen the movie, The Social Network. A lot of people are familiar with the story of the history of Facebook. It was obvious, even in the 90s, that on the internet, communities would form. And, uh, but it wasn't until you know, after the dot-com crash and the early years of the 2000s in a dorm room in Harvard, where finally, you know, a community format was built that actually was scalable. There were other attempts like MySpace that were, you know, had some architectural problems that a lot didn't prevented them from being the one that want or that were. Um, and it was a combination of like great execution and, and vision and, and architecture that made Facebook work. And we've seen sort of that story play out and now they own Instagram and WhatsApp. And, and then there are a couple others like Snapchat and TikTok, which are owned by different companies and, and, and X, you know, um, Twitter, um, and, and so we, we've, we've sort of been all lived through this age of social networks, but realm is a different thing. It is not a social network. It, 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 we did not build our own technology platform. We're building on top of another platform. Um, the same way that, you know, and, and, and this is actually the history of, of technology and the history of, of markets and civil, you're always building on top of something else before. Right. And, and, and it doesn't mean a business built on top of another business can actually be more valuable than the business that's built on top of. Um, a good example of that is PayPal, which was built on top of eBay and is more valuable than eBay, right? Um, so uh, Realm is built on top of WhatsApp. Um, and uh, it um, it's just this, the simple basic idea is what happens if you build private communities and private marketplaces and communities around businesses and communities around social groups and communities around interests. So we actually have learning, like Lightning has built hundreds and hundreds of learning communities in the Realm network that are focused on very specific things. For example, you know, Stuart and I are in groups like classical philosophy, Socrates, um, 
uh, and, um, uh, and then, you know, around specific books like, uh, the Tao Te Ching, for example. Um, so, uh, this is, a, you know, an example of a bunch of communities in the realm network that are all built around a different company lightning. Um, but they're, they're in this category of like private social communities around specific things, interests, locations, you know, places, shared values. Um, uh, um, and, and so that's the fertility element of it. Like, is there an opportunity to, to like, you know, um, create a, a form of activity that, and uh, that is valuable. And then there's the question, the business question, which is tricky of like, how do you extract value without ruining it? Right. Um, or actually how do you extract value ideally in a way that sort of reinforces it, that makes it better and better and stronger and stronger. Um, and, uh, I'll pause there. Cause that was a long, that was a long segment. Um, yeah. And I, that's I, a good to, to, to ponder. I want to get into this, this idea because, uh, there's, there's, there are like artists, right? You know, where they say, you know, don't turn your, your passion into, you know, like if there's Capitalism. almost like a, when do you sell out? Yeah, you no, know, yeah. you don't want to become a sellout. You don't want to be a sellout. It's true. Yeah, you don't want to be a sellout. But then is, should art never be like, you know, should Virtual. there never be, yeah, yeah, commercialized? Like, should all art be free? Like, is there something wrong inherently? The fact I, that, you know, art, artists should they not make money <laughs> um and so i think there there's there is a fine line with that and um and actually i'm i'm very much like i think there's you know starving artists like come on please um you know i'm a i'm a champion for where people make yeah you know and i think if something is valuable why not why shouldn't there be exchange yeah um inherently it's and so yeah go ahead it's it's like first? a it's a symptom uh, it's a symptom rather than a root the fact that you're making money isn't the whole thing you're not doing it to make money it's just a, it's like a symptom of the root cause which is you're providing value whether it's an art or business or technology or whatever the first Coldplay albums were like written in in a bedroom right and then the most recent ones were clearly written with a stadium audience in mind from from day one and there, this and he, same thing with you too. I just recently saw a video of him performing in Vegas at um, what's that special? The Sphere, I think yeah. they call it. This, yeah, and it's like you know, in the in the when rock rock and roll sort of had its big moments in the '60s and '70s, and then you know had another moment in the night. The, the it was sort of this rebellious prophetic energy, um, sort of d screaming against society in a sense, and 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 then there's this weird sense where you become so successful that you are society. You're the establishment. Like you, you've been, you know, like, uh, you're, and you are the industrial complex. Um, and I, I, um, uh, I've met Bono. He invested in, in, in Everest 1.0 and, and I spent time with him in Ireland and, and I believe he's a very authentic person just based on my own personal interactions with him. Right. And I, I haven't, I would actually love to talk to him about how he feels about the commercialization of art. Um, it's a big, it's a big topic. Um, and, um, here, here are some basic principles for us. One is that we're capital efficient. Um, when you're not, when you're not gonna, when you're not investing millions of dollars into the thing and burning it all, there's not this kind of creepy artificial pressure to monetize and to scale. 
Um, and so I like the organic principle for, for that, that sort of is built into capital efficient services companies of, you know, uh, profitability and you take the profits and you reinvest some percentage of them and then you grow it and then you, you get more profits and you reinvest more and you grow it. And that just has a tendency to result in natural, healthy, harmonious dynamics, right? Whereas this venture model where you're just pumping money and it just has a tendency to just destroy, destroy anything as organic as a community. Um, and then the fact that it's a services company also will tend towards making it highly attuned to the members in the community. Um, even though we're not currently planning on charging any membership ever, you know, is, is the ideal. Um, we prefer seeking other ways of monetizing it. And think about investment banks. Investment banks, you know, have been built on brokering transactions. So if you have very healthy marketplaces, you might be able to build the future of Goldman Sachs and it's built on a WhatsApp group. Yeah. Um, and that's possible. Um, and then what Genevieve's done for Invisible and like the way that she's built community for that company and the way that, you know, Realm is powering Lightning and others. Um, and I think, okay, there's, there's definitely a services opportunity there. So it's actually a much simpler entrepreneurial calculation for me. Do I believe Genevieve can support her salary, her team's salary, their budgets and increasing budgets, um, you know, through, through eventually finding ways to charge some percentage of marketplace activity and charge for clients that want these end-to-end -end community offerings without destroying the goose that's laying the golden eggs? And the answer there is yes. And then that's exciting because if she can get to profitability within the first two years, uh, then that profit stream results in, well, way cooler parties. <laughs> and that's where, that's where it's like, you know, if you're, you're a listener and you're like, okay, am I going to get sold out here? Yeah, there's a classic thing about Facebook is that, um, you know, uh, if, um, uh, what do they say? If you're, if you're, um, if there's, if they're, if you're not being charged for the service, you're the, you're you are the service, right? Like you're being sold out. Um, and, uh, and so I don't know if, if, if I'm just a member of, say the New York city mafia and I'm listening to this podcast, I'm thinking like, all right. So like, when am I going to get sold out here? Yeah. You know, like when, when is there going to be like a giant, like New York city mafia sponsored by Citibank? <laughs> it's like, Oh no, it's like, no, to the end, <laughs> like bail, you know, like uh sort of like, I don't know, sort of like Bernie man, like Bernie man before it became 70,000 people. You hear the early burners like, yeah, it like sort of went downhill or whatever. Like, um, uh, and, um, that's one thing. Another thing is fractality. Like, you know, I, I don't think that I don't necessarily have any desire to for the New York City Mafia to scale to something from, you know, it's a couple hundred people and scale scale to 3000 people, even much less 30,000 or 3 million or whatever. Um, uh, I would much rather have lots of groups, yeah. right? Uh, like this is our group for our friends, right? And, you, you know, we can facilitate and help form other groups for other friends. And, um, and I think we've noticed that there's a critical mass moment right around 40, 40 members in a group where the group develops enough of an internal centrifugal force that it starts to generate its own thriving and activity. Uh, up until that, you have to put a lot of activation energy, but after that, it's sort of growing on its own. And then actually the main thing isn't, isn't maximizing growth. It's actually maximizing uh, interlinking. So Genevieve and I have a secret, you know, code name project called Labyrinth, where we're just trying to make sure that we make a lot of introductions between members one-on-one you know make sure there's lots of one-on-one copies happening you know so to speak and the logic behind that is based off of um uh uh 
uh, combinatorial mathematics. So uh, this is very unintuitive. And there's a website called mathisfun.com that will model this for you. And you can actually probably use GPT to model this, but, um, uh, or actually go to Wikipedia, Metcalf's Law. Uh, as you add nodes in a network, the, the, the number of um, synapses, the number of connections between these nodes explodes exponentially. So, you, you, you know, between any group of um, three people, there's a relationship between person one and person two, and the relationship between person one and person three, and the relationship between person three and person one, the relationship between person three and person two, right? And you add a fourth person, you're adding just one person, but the number of connections is ex exploding exponentially. And that just becomes more and more true as you add hundreds of people. That's why when you enter a large group where people don't have, there's not a ton of history, it's like, it's like going to a bad party where everyone is super awkward because nobody knows each other versus entering a party where everyone's friends and they're like, oh, welcome, meet my friend Sid and here's my friend uh, Cindy. You know, that, that welcoming energy in a good like party comes from the fact that everyone already knows each other and everyone's warm and relaxed and being themselves instead of like uptight and like, who are you? Nice to meet you. My name is Fred. Um, and, uh, and so how do you create that magic? Well, you need actually a slow growth rate. This is talking totally contrarian, right? Like all of startup culture has been like maximize growth rates. Like, no, we actually want to slow down the growth rate as much as possible after a certain point and maximize the, the interlinking rate. Um, because the interlinking is actually what creates the, the trust and the quality. Um, I don't know, uh, you know, how we're going to, um, uh, I mean, we're, we're still, I don't know, Genevieve, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, like how we're going to maintain this across all of our communities, this labyrinth principle, but, um, it's, for me, it's very key. Yeah, there's, um, one of the, one of the ways, and another thing that I do is, um, I ask oftentimes like, okay, so who do you, who, well, let me, let me just back up actually. One of the parts about, you know, the handshake aspect is, and even to your point about the piazza is now we're starting, want to have the, the sort of the church, right? Go into the piazza on a regular basis, which are our in-person uh, meetups. I think that's when the centrifugal um, force, right? Like where you have like, okay, now you have like 28 people in the room and now there's just shaking hands all at once. And like we did that in London and New York and just, and then also in Lisbon and we're just starting to do that more and more. And I think that's where, you know, the in-person you have, you build that trust and people will start to eventually have their own sort of, habits slash rituals around hey i actually i should just go go on a run with someone in in the mafia um you know it's or hey i'm gonna go for squash um anybody is interested and i think not just us facilitating them but sort of making it organic and that people naturally want to want to meet with each other because hey it was it's it's every time that i do have an interaction with somebody else in realm i have a very positive experience um, and that to me is, is where it's not just from the top down, but sort of like bottom up where, Hey, like, why wouldn't I want to, why wouldn't this, this group of people be sort of my first, first sort of destination? So one interesting thing that I saw that happened over the summer 
was a lot of travel, right? And so Rome became like this, this natural springboard of like, oh, wait, so who do you know, right? And it just became, just became the natural thing. It was like, okay, so I'm going here and I'm going there and I'm traveling to this place. And I can't tell you, I mean, maybe because I'm, 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 I'm primed, right? Because I'm in Europe. So I'm primed for like a lot of the European travel that's happening. And I'm like, yeah, okay, all right. Well, okay, this person, this person, this person. And I think it it almost became like a a natural way for people to say, okay, yeah, you need, you should meet this person. Um, And it it wasn't necessarily like, okay, a a deliberate, right? So yeah, I guess, Francis, I guess that is sort of the where we were kind of like, you know, but it, it, it was so, it, it, in essence, I think that's the, the organicness, um, the organic nature when people were traveling. And um, one great example, um, and there was uh, New York City Mafia, Max, his name. Oh, I, maybe I shouldn't be saying. Yeah, well, Max is, uh, he had, a, he rented a villa. And um, then we had another mafia member in Paul. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to be here in, in, in Europe and, you know, it's anything going on. And I said, well, actually, Max is hosting a villa. Uh, he's, he's got a, He rented a villa and, and he's like, OK, well, you know, I don't I don't know these people, but uh, will you put me in touch? And I said, yes. So he goes and he goes to this villa. And, and and he hangs out and actually Joe's there too, you know, our CFO of, of, of Invisible. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and he's like, and I said, so, hey, Paul, how's it going? How's your trip going? And he's like, well, thanks for introducing me because now we're going to go do some more travels. And <laughs> I was like, amazing, amazing. Awesome. you know, amazing. and so he's, he's like, yeah, we're going to go do some more travels. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, next stop is here and here and here. And that that's that's actually more characteristic. I think that says more about the type of 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 people that are in Rome. It's the ones who are actually really willing to put themselves out there. Again, it's that ask and then the door will open, right? Knock and the door will open. And I think that's the character of the type of humans that really, you know, thrive here is, is like curious. Right. Willing to sort of say, hey, like, I, I'm OK with meeting strangers because, you know, um, there who knows who knows what's going to happen on the other side. Um, and yeah, experiences. Sorry. Yeah, to exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly so, experience. That. So, so like, yeah, I think about Stuart going to Buenos Aires. He goes in and immediately like, you know, um, Marina Sarian is like saying here, you know, here are these places to go. Come meet my friends, et cetera. Um, and it makes such a difference when you arrive in a place yeah, and you totally. know people that yeah. are welcoming you and receiving you. Um, so I arrived here in Austin and I remember previous times I arrived in Austin, I like knew nobody. And now I have all these people inviting me to things. I'm going to like, you know, a barbecue and a Shabbat dinner on Friday night. I was invited to a comedy show and um, I, uh, and it's like Im- immediately I'm like, wow, there's just everyone's so you know, will the, the fact that there's a community here and that community is hospitable and welcoming and pulling me in is going to open so many doors and it's going to make this place feel like home if I want to stay here. Right. And realm gave me that. Um, and, and, uh, and that open door thing is so especially useful in travel because when you have been living in a place for a long time, you may have already found your community, but when you, uh, arrive in a new city, 
it's the difference between a totally commercial transactional experience where you're paying for your hotel um, or you're pay paying for your Airbnb and it's like one of these modern Airbnbs, basically a hotel. There's no human connection and you sh you just you're walking around the shops and you're like, you know, maybe you go to yoga or something and like, you know, it's pretty hard to like, maybe you make a friend at yoga and it's very hard to like find any friendship and, um, and maybe it's a one-off and maybe you get lucky, you know, maybe you find your people. But uh, I think about my experience last uh, New Year's Eve. I, my parents love, um, they're, thank goodness, they're adventurous, they're, they're adventurers and travelers and I must get it from them. So they've, they've been exploring the Nordics and they like wanted to go to Copenhagen uh, for New Year's Eve. And I was like, who do I know? And I'm like, oh yeah, there's the Copenhagen mafia. There's got like one person in it. It's Mark, uh, on our team. And, um, and so Mark, uh, Mark goes to dinner with us, hangs out with my parents. And first of all, that's like a testament to company culture, right? That like, I feel very good about having like a team member of mine, hang out with my parents and have a dinner and just get to know each other's people, him and his wife, my parents and I. And, uh, and also kudos to Mark, like for just being that type of person that I just like enjoy hanging out with. And, and then he's like, you know, and this is, this is the real like Mark hospitality moment where he's like, are you guys have any plans for New Year's Eve? Like, no. And like, why don't you come hang out with us and our friends? I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, and my parents, my parents too. And he's like, your parents are, your parents are rad. They're super cool. Gonna break them over. And then we hang out and like, who's hosting that party? A certain person named Mickle. Uh, who we ended up, we ended up hiring. Um, but, um, the, uh, now the Copenhagen mafia is like going strong and it's, it's a, it's a great group there. And I know that if I go there, you know, I'm just going to have more and more amazing experiences Ooh. or amazing print. And this actually relates to the brand name of realm, but I want to go, uh, you know, that's a whole separate segment. I just love to talk about why we named it realm. And, and that's sort of where we started the podcast. I'd love to give that its due. Um, but this is the enchanted landscape that we want to create where it's not this disembodied, hyper-transactional, hyper-commercial, um, neutral, fluorescent light, you know, uh, um, tap to pay <laughs> it's environment, but more oh, about- Oh, chic. Oh, chic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's actually, I do want to say, if when people ask me, where are we going? And because I get this a lot, it was like, what's your vision and all, all of this? But in, and I, I have to leave room for this. It's ma the magic. And I think this is a perfect example of where you go, you get to Copenhagen and Mark, and then there's like, oh, who is this Mickle? Right. And, and actually it's, it's the, the invitations that happen. I think Realm is a place where invitations happen and then you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm. Um, and you don't. And I think that's, there's, in S, there is this mysteriousness. And dare I say, if I, you know, say, oh yeah, in five years, this is what, <laughs> and I'm not trying to exonerate myself from accountability <laughs> of the board. I'm not trying to say that, but I think there genuinely is a core part of of why this has been truly remarkable, like right where I'm, I'm getting stories from people, is because there is an element of of enchanted magic um, and serendipity, just surprise. And I think if we were to um, 
remove the, or if we were to overthink and formulate and come up with a formula, I think it would actually, to, you know, it would, to Francis's metaphor, kill the, the, the goal, the, that, that, no, the geese, the goose. Now I'm on you. Yeah. Uh, Walt Disney is one of my entrepreneurial heroes. And I read this Neil Gabler biography of his a long time ago. And that story that the history of Disney is the most remarkable story of perseverance and vision and, and, um, um, and contrarian courage of convictions, because this is an improbable business, but it's one of the best businesses of all time. And one of the reasons why it's improbable is that serious business people at any stage in the early years of Disney until it was like, obviously a success. And even to this day, it's sort of an, even if you sort of look at it, you know, it, it's sort of obvious now as a business person, you go to the the parks and you're like, oh my gosh, what a money-making machine, right? So even, even like a totally screw, you know, Scrooge type character can, can, can look at it and be like, okay, this is a good business. Um, but cartoons come on. What? Hey, this is not a serious business, you know? Like, <laughs> um, and, uh, even actually after the initial films were making, were, were, were like, um, uh, making waves, like they had a lot of people watching their movies after a number after like two decades, they were not making, they were not really a money-making business. They only became a money-making business after they started making toys and then they made theme parks and then they started licensing. And it's, it's a whole, whole story, hard to summarize multi-decade story briefly, but it's a similar thing with Pixar. Pixar would have died if it wasn't for Steve Jobs funding it personally with his own personal capital that he had, you know, from Apple 1.0. And, um, uh, and it also would have died if it didn't just have a team that, that believed that there was something there at the intersection of computer graphics and animation in creating magical stories. And it's totally contrarian that you could create a, you know, 12 Oscars in a row, like 12 blockbusters in a row that just never been done. The whole thing made no sense and so you just I, I know because as an entrepreneur i've done a million investor pitches it feels like and they all say no and uh thank goodness now we're profitable we we don't we get to have the last laugh and we bought a lot of them back and we don't need we don't need them to say yes or get it um and the the ability to say magic is in the business model or the ability to say our goal is to grow as slowly these communities mm -hmm. as slowly as possible our, our goal is to like maintain as high quality as possible. These are contrarian things that like immediately you're dead if you're trying to fundraise. Immediately, if you try to go through the main model, like those, the, 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 um, the finance people in the world, uh, you know, they don't wear suits anymore. So it's hard to say the suits, you know, they don't wear suits, darn it. So you can't, you can't see them. You have to have specialized and see they're wearing a suit, even though they're wearing a uh, Patagonia sweater. Um, <laughs> they're they're actually still wearing a suit and a tie <laughs> and uh anyways um the suits uh the suits will never get this business and it doesn't mean it can't become one of the greatest businesses ever not only the suits too because it's not only the suits and, and i have to say francis like congratulations because i know that 2015 to 2020 was must have been like so crazy hard to pitch one after the other and i, I was watching that the whole time. And I'm so glad you were able to do it because you opened up a new pathway. There's this term of uh, when somebody breaks the five-minute mile or the four-minute mile, uh, it mm. creates a whole new pathway in people's consciousness. 
And so you've done that. You've done that for tech enabled services. And that's just like, uh, and like just to the audience, Infinity it's an entrepreneur. It obvious. Infinity is making it obvious because invisible yeah. over the pathway, but it's not obvious that on top of invisible and in this sort of basic business structure, you know, you could actually do it again and again and again. But I'm just like so obvious that that everyone is stuck in this industrial complex and this very limited way of thinking about the, what a business should be like and, and the what a good answer to a certain type of question is like and what a bad answer is like. It's actually there's a lot of these so-called bad answers that are incredible answers. Um, they're just judged incorrectly. And like for the listeners, if you're an entrepreneur, like this is a world that if you want to, if you that you can. Uh, enter and 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 speaking of which, it's like what you would guys were talking about how Mickle got hired. He did it through a through a through a dinner, through joining the group, through having a personal relationship rather than applying. Because if he was applying, he wouldn't be part of that 0.4 percent uh, network of of people who actually get accepted. And this this real personal connection is really how so many things in the world get get done. Um, and if you're an entrepreneur listening, like this is the, here, the, here's a pathway, like we've got a bunch of pathways. Like if you don't want to raise VC money, which will destroy your work-life balance, um, uh, because there's just, you're, you're put on this sort of cancerous growth cycle that like all these delivery companies now are in right now, where it's just like, wait, was it a good business model or did we just get a whole bunch of fundraising? And like, now we're stuck in this sort of like, uh, purgatory of business, um, uh, and which leads me to uh, another question, because there's there's we've got about uh, 18 minutes left uh, and there's two things that I really wanted to cover. There's sort of like, how do we how do we scale, Jen, and your ability to 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 map networks? Because it seems like that's what you're able to do. And we we all know that there's a 150 person limit that it's not a hard limit. You can grow it, but there's a 150 person limit to how how well you can map all these different people. Like and once you get above wow. 150 people, it's much harder to do. And so it seems Dunbar's like, for, yeah, for Dunbar's number, and it seems like for Jen, like part of the hiring will be like, how do you find other Jens who can then um, put a 150 more people into 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 that personal network network mapping? But then there's also the question of like we had, we were talking about finances, and I love it that in this in these podcasts we're building public, so I'm actually learning about the specific deal um, that we have with Infinity from doing these because it's 50% labor, 50% capital. Um, and some sort of mixture in between. And, you know, I, I grew up in this world and it took me six months to realize that the, the 50% for capital was structured in a way that aligns incentives that I totally didn't understand until we had our podcast last time. Uh, so leaving it up to both of you, uh, I can choose one if we want. What do you want to talk about? Hiring or sort of like a building in public? I'd, like, I'd love to hear that how Jen's going to clone herself because this is the question that every entrepreneur has to answer is like the attack of the clones. You mean, you mean make myself irrelevant, <laughs> not clone? Abstract yourself. Like, no, leverage, make yourself super relevant. Leverage yourself. I think one experiment that's happening right now that we're, we're seeing, actually, I think, I think, Suri, you're a great example of this. The, the AHA syndicate, um, it's, it's, you know, it, there went, it was zero. And then now it's, it's it's definitely in the top five of the of the largest, right? And it just yeah, nice and I, th I think there's, there's there are certain components. I think there's um you know there's there's this model, and I think Francis, you've also done um this like thinking about this almost like a feudal system, right? Um, 
Talk about okay. Michelle. I think we should talk about Michelle and Jess at this moment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So Michelle and Jess. So um, Michelle and Jess are the Dawn and Donnas of, of the New York City Mafia. <laughs> and, the Donna. Yeah, the Donnas. And Michelle and, and Jess, like they're, I mean, if I think about them, like, yeah, if I, I wish that I was like that kind of, you know, I had that kind of partnership. You know, as, as, um, yeah. as, yeah. And they have like this extraordinary intellectual and heartwarming, you know, they're just beautiful human beings. And now they are inviting, they're hosting, right? I think of hospitality as like one of the foundations of, you know, like with it, maybe in like one of the foundations of, of realm, right? This hospitality nature. But yeah, they're, they're the ones who are, being there hosting and they are also there in person so they're meeting people and able to sort of like sniff test almost i hate dare i say but you know get to know people um and and they are the ones who can actually say hey like i think that they're they're they have our dna or they have their essence yes um whether they come in or not and and I think that there's an element of the uh, incentives alignment. Uh, like if I dare I, you know, I have to bring that in because I think that's part of the genius of <laughs> of how, why we're all here, right? Um, not because of the pay, because, you know, it's it's like there's there's an incentive, right? And and so Michelle and Jess are actually advisors um, to Realm. And um, I think that's a really important note is that they have a desire to grow it, um, not because for any other reason, but they, because they believe in it. And so there's that as New York City Mafia, right? That's one. And then, Stuart, you are an example of a syndicate viceroy, right? You are an example like of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and in, in essence is, is how, do, how do people take accountability as, or not even just accountability, but um, how do they sort of grow and one interesting thought that one one thing that I heard, and maybe it was you, Stuart, or someone else told me this, that actually it's not the founder's job to it's it's not the founder's job to instill culture per se. Like it's not them, but actually it's the founders to find the people who will then, right, then then be the proselytizers, right? The the ones like the founding team. Right. They are the proselytizers of the culture. And so I think about that as like maybe I'm not the one who's going to be, I mean, uh, night and day, you know, sounding the bell. But I sure as hell know that the people who are on the team, who are on the founding team, are the ones who know, breathe, live, and love, right? That they love uh, what we're building at Realm and are able to then, you know, sort of like go out and, so I, I think about that as like the leadership team, the founding leadership team as being a, a core essence and core part of, of keeping realms, you know, magic alive. Mm -hmm. And Stuart, your idea in chat here that we should interview Michelle and Jess at some point. And I think that's a great idea for they're both okay. fascinating. Um, the story of how we met them is great. You know, uh, in 2020, uh, I was looking for very non-traditional capital to do a sort of non-traditional deal. And I met these two brothers, um, Abdallah and Rafe Yafi, 
who are Lebanese and um, split their time between Lebanon and um, Beirut and uh, the uh, and Dubai uh, in the UAE. And they introduced me to an Emirati um, named Michal about a year later um, after they'd invested uh, because Michal moved to um, New York after finishing Y Combinator. He had moved to the U.S. to start a tech company, went through Y Combinator, and then he moved to New York. And um, uh, he actually, um, you know, uh, met Jess in in New York. They had met many years before in Dubai and then like, you know, sort of reconnected um, and got married. And I went to their wedding in Milan. It was just, it was uh, uh, incredible to see. Um, well, you really get to know people when you see all their friends and you're like, whoa, these are amazing people, you know, and, and, um, shared values. Um, uh, and actually, uh, for example, one of their friends, Adil and I have become friends and he's in a lot of our learning communities because he's, he has very similar, um, uh, reading interests as, as, as I do. And so, um, he's, um, he's become a pen pal and a, book club, uh, book club friend of mine. So when you, when you start to realize, okay, this is somebody that like, you know, I could, uh, you know, I've, I've had late night conversations with Jess and Michelle where I've opened up and asked them all the hard questions in my life, like romantic questions, questions about business strategy and business management, questions about like where I should live, um, social, you know, all, all sorts of things. And the hard questions. And also like, these are people I can have fun with, um, mm-hmm. uh, these are my people, right? Uh, and and then over time, they ended up becoming friends with a lot of our friends in in New York. And so it's like, all right, you like my people, I like your people. This is great. Um, and then you have this interesting business challenge that Jen has a capital efficient company, right? And so she she does not have the budget to hire one Jen for every 150 people, right? Like <laughs> that financial model would be an extremely capital intensive model. Oh. Uh, and, and so what are we going to do? Well, uh, Jen got it exactly right. Like, let's give them equity um, and let's create a feudal, let's create a feudal system where we have, um, we have, um, and this naturally, by the way, it's, it's totally natural. It, like naturally happens in communities as they get to a certain size, they need leadership. And the fact that I was leaving New York was like the perfect moment to be like, who's going to lead the New York City mafia after I'm gone? Jen's leading the Lisbon mafia. You know, you're the de facto leader of the Buenos Aires Mafia while you're there, Stuart. Um, and and leaders naturally form and they keep the community alive. Um, who is there anyone who we tr- whose values we trust, um, who we're very close with, who's already plugged in, and who has who have the leadership energy and and desire to do this? And they said yes. Um, and, uh, that was one of the moments where I knew, okay, this is gonna, this is gonna work because like they're great leaders and, and, and the, the community will naturally revolve around them. Um, and, um, they have the right hospitality, the right curiosity. Um, and, um, and, and that's a key thing is like taking yourself out of the system. There's a book I read in, in college. Uh, I think it's called the, um, the E-Myth. Um, and, uh, it introduces this idea that you don't want to work in your business. You want to work on your business. And so there's always in the beginning, you have to put yourself in the machine. You have to literally be the person turning the crank. But then at some point, you don't actually know if it's real until you're not turning the crank yourself anymore and somebody else's. Um, and, um, you know, to be clear, I'm turning other cranks down. <laughs> um, but, uh, but 
And when you're, I was not, I, I actually spent the last four months in Asia. I just got back to the U.S. I returned to Texas on Friday, but I spent two months in, in Bali, mostly in Uluwatu. I loved, fell in love with that place. And two months in Thailand, in Chiang Mai, in the mountains north of Chiang Mai, motorcycling around. Why did I, why was I in Asia? And, and the answer is, this is the biggest gap in the realm network. And it's going to take a long time. It's like taking me my whole life to build my network in the U.S. and Europe. Um, you know, could my network in the U.S. and Europe be stronger and stronger and stronger? Yeah. But like, I'm more interested in going from zero to one in the geographies where I don't know a lot of people. And that's basically uh, Latin America, uh, Africa, and Asia. And so that's where I'm going to be spending a lot of time next year and in the following years because I want the Realm Network to be truly global. And guess what? Like, Asia is an amazing place. Uh, but also the time zone's really rough. So you have to wake up really early. <laughs> Go to yeah, bed yeah. Um, there's great ops. But but the um uh you know, I I told Michelle, like, yeah, I like I I wanna I wanna build the Bali Mafia and the Chiang Mai Mafia and the Singapore Mafia and the Tokyo Mafia and and so on and so forth, the New Delhi Mafia. Um and that's gonna take a lot of time. Like, do you think you can hold down the fort for New York and 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 they thought about it, they talked about it, boom, here they they, they are. Um, so yeah, that's the story there. And, and I think that, and by the way, it's also something to have fun with, like, um, you know, whether, whatever title is your, your sort of dream title, you know, Viceroy, Duke, Count, um, uh, uh, you know, Godfather, <laughs> whatever, like fairy godmother, whatever it is, like, uh, have fun with it. And, and, um, uh, and I, and, and then I just, I, I do want to have like one final comment on the realm brand like what that means to me but I, i've just been talking for a while so i'm gonna shut up no francis please bring us home because um okay bring us home period okay. all right, all right. <laughs> um so this this background image for those of you watching video is generated by mid-journey um and i think i i think the prompt was very simple realm of realms that's all i put in it and it just created this like rivendell like almost like it's like a tolkien art you know form of this this uh, magical kingdom um so let's go way back to childhood and do a little therapy session francis therapy um i you know as a child uh, i'd run around my grandparents ranch and it was the most mythical place i knew because i grew up in southern california and southern california is is nice and that is like the best and the worst thing you could say about it because it, it's, it's definitely not, it's definitely not the realm. Um, it's definitely not the, um, you know, this, this place where there's just obvious, like mythical uh, enchanted landscape. Um, uh, but it's also nice. It's not, it's not a not nice place. Like, uh, it's the, the epitome of, um, the urban middle-class America, like it's bourgeois in the essence of work. People say bougie and they, they by bougie, mm. they think they mean rich. Yeah. This is people don't actually know what these terms mean. <laughs> like bougie does not mean aristocratic or, or expensive. Bougie means bourgeois, which is middle-class. And like, you know, the U S is the ultimate like middle-class, you know, country. Um, and, uh, historically speaking, and San Diego is the most middle-class place. It's like the Switzerland of the U.S. It's just, there's nothing happening here. Everything's just, it's going to be 72 and sunny forever. And we're going to have like, you know, um, lattes and avocado toast forever. And we're going to surf forever. And 
and we're all going to, I don't know, like retire uh, when we're 30. <laughs> that's, that's what it feels. And I think as little me, like I don't, I didn't know any of that. I, those are all big adult words yeah. and thoughts. Um, as a kid, it, it was much more visceral for me. There's something inside of me, even as a kid that kind of wanted to scream, like, like I want to run away to the North, like, you know, get, get out of here. Like, I want to get out of here and go to the places where they have adventures. They're clearly nobody having adventures here. Like where is Epic, where are Epic things happening? And, uh, and then, and then you add to that the, the most suburban thing ever, which is the movie theater. And in those movie theaters, you have people going to go watch the Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Gladiator yeah. or Avengers. And it's like in the most, the most recent movies just get more and more extreme. It's like aliens blowing up multiple worlds. And, and then you, you exit the movie theater and it's like crickets. It's like, you know, it's a bunch of suburban minivans in a parking lot in this place where like nothing happened and everything's nice. It's just like such a contrast. And, and, uh, and that clearly says in almost like a Jungian way, there's something in our soul that is really not being met. And, and so the, the brand name realm evokes a mythical enchanted landscape where, um, there are many things to be discovered and there are many things hidden in clouds, you know, many things that you don't, you don't know about. So when you, when you meet someone, it's never, it's never a simple interaction of just like, oh yeah, like let's tap to pay and, and finish this, this interaction. There's like doors behind doors, behind doors, behind doors. Mm. Um, there's things to discover behind things to discover by things to discover. And relationships can be multi-layered and the whole place is multi-layered and it's un, it's, it's an undiscovered landscape. Um, and it's a place where you can wear a cape. Uh, it's a place where magic can happen. Um, and, and, and I, it's in contrast to the demystified commercialized world that we've created, um, where we've just become sort of cynical New Yorkers, uh, even if you don't live in New York, um, you know, the postmodern or modern postmodern, uh, sort of cynicism is, is is global it's like we sort of we live in the best of times and the worst of times to use the dickens phrase like there's all this technology there's all this globalization there's all all the the benefits of you know um the modern economy you know if you're in the u.s you can use amazon and the same day like the product will arrive at your doorstep you sit here and you can watch netflix and just vegetate in your couch and you can order doordash and you don't even have to cook and the food will arrive and and all the problems are solved right like, no, except our souls are empty. Right. And, it, and, and, and so there's this desire to not, to not just build communities, but to build businesses, to pursue interests, to, to just do life in a completely different way. And so, uh, call me the Don, Don Quixote in the history of, you know, European, um, uh, I'd say even like Western or even to some extent global civilization. And that, that was a 16th century book is the invention of gunpowder basically eliminated the need for knights. So the medieval knight was gone. And when the medieval knight left as an archetype, there were no dragons to slay. There were no, you know, no, uh, kingdoms to save. Um, there were no damsels in distress. And, 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 and so you have this person who kind of goes insane because he's, He's living in a demystified landscape and, and, you know, the joke is on him that it's a making fun of people who think that they can be heroes 
and people who think that they can live in a demystified landscape when actually all that matters is, you know, these big um, historical forces like uh, large armies, economics, technology. Um, and I think that, I think that in defense of Don Quixote, uh, I'm starting realm, which is, you know, can, can you be, can you still be a hero in 2023 or at least live in a world in which, you know, you're a hero and everyone else is a hero and you can see the heroic and you can see the mythical and you can actually live an adventurous, magical life that's worth living uh, and bring that energy into every single part of your life, whether it's building a business or pursuing your personal interests. That is, I think, for me, what the name evokes. And by the way, the meanings for me don't need to be the meanings for you, but that is for me why like, I wanted to start a company called Realms. I want to live in the realm and I want to wear a cape to work. I want to be a digital cowboy. Jen, to wrap us up here, how can people who have been listening to this and listen to that beautiful description of what Realm is and where it came from, how can people find out uh, how to enter the realm? You can't. <laughs> gotta find it <laughs> i love that it's like an intelligence test it's like yeah like if you're listening to this podcast you can find a way in yeah yeah that's what yeah yeah beautiful let's leave it with that well thank you both for so so much for coming on the plain side podcast hey thanks for tuning into plain sight presented by Invisible. If you liked what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button and consider sharing with your network. And if you're interested in learning more about how Invisible helps teams cut costs and scale, visit our website at invisible.co. See you next time.